Welcome to another episode or episode two of Black in Fashion. I appreciate you guys tuning in today. This segment is going to be about retail. I'm going to call it retail, hell, and the way to excel in in retail. I mean, a lot of people say that, you know, if you can make it in retail, you can pretty much make it in any career field. Um, I think most people who start out in the fashion world definitely just start their careers in retail um, and that's why I wanted to discuss a lot of the ways that you can excel in this place, um, how to overcome obstacles in your retail field, how to grow, how to position yourself to win, down to even opening up your own retail store. So I'm going to start off by giving you guys a little uh, background into my retail history. Um, my first job, I got it when I was 15 and I worked at Rave Girl. And I went from wave, Rave Girl to Wet Seal. Don't laugh, please. We all know that uh, Wet Seal is kind of shitty now, but it's okay. Uh, after Wet Seal, I worked at maybe three different locations. I worked um, downtown. Well, I'm from Chicago, like I mentioned in my first episode. But I worked in River Oaks. I worked in uh, downtown Chicago. I worked in the Water Tower Place. I think after Wet Seal, I worked at like Aldo for a little while in the accessory store. Then I worked in Banana Republic, which is where I actually got my first uh, retail management position. I got promoted. Um, I had a lot of trials and tribulations, I would say, in the retail field. Like I started out there and it could be a gift and a curse because sometimes when you want to move out of retail and move more into the corporate fashion world and all you have under your belt is retail experience it's a little hard to transition so I am definitely going to give you all some tips about how to transition out of retail but also how to stay within retail and actually grow and thrive because it is a great business I know a lot of people say that brick and mortar is dead but it's not retail is booming it's just about the way you position yourself in the in the field but also how you um basically thrive and make money from being in retail because it is a multi-million dollar business. You have salespeople on the floor in Saks and Bloomingdale's and Bergdorf Goodman that have million dollar client books, you know. So let me start off by talking about my first retail management position was given to me at Banana Republic. I actually had quite a few obstacles in this position. I made a lot of friends in the retail world um, and in my job with within, within my coworkers. So when you, let's discuss, when you get promoted and now those coworkers that used to be your coworkers, you're, they're now your subordinates and now you're their boss and how to transition from becoming like that friendly coworker into actually being their boss and them actually respecting what you say. Um, so at Banana, I had a little bit of an issue with that because I had, you know, made amazing friends at work. But the way it works is, honestly, any close friends you have in your workplace, when it's time for you to excel and grow, and even though your coworkers may not be growing at the same time as you, you definitely have to have that conversation where it be like group team meetings or just having like a team building exercise where you discuss like, this is my new role. I need you guys to respect me in this role. And this is what I need from you in order for me to succeed. And if they really are coworkers that care about your success and your growth, then they'll understand why you have to, you have a change in your attitude. You have a change in the way that you do 
things and you can guys can keep moving forward. Now, we got a few of those people that, you know, they're a little hater on, in the background somewhere and they don't want to see you succeed. So they don't want to listen. So with those people, I'm honestly going to say you got to let them go. Friend and all. Some people have to be fired, and that's just it is what it is, or they can be removed from whatever division you are managing at that time, because if it's not going to be successful and beneficial to you, then you have to remove yourself from any of those type of situations. You could also do schedule changes within your shifts, and you can make sure that you're not exactly the direct in command when actually doing those shifts. I've had to do that as well. Now, that was a good example of growing within Banana Republic. My bad example is that sometimes when you grow into certain positions, they want you to change who you are. I'm a firm believer that you should stay true to heart at all times. Um, becoming into that position, I was told to make a goal list, things that I wanted to accomplish as a manager and things that I wanted to succeed in. You know, they told me to take some time out and write down three goals. They gave me a book to kind of look at, to kind of, you know, you know, frame what they expect, like, for their managers, which I was like, okay, cool. I come back. I wrote down my three goals. I give it to the store manager. She told me my goals were incorrect. <laughs> I was very taken back by this because I'm like, no, actually, I put a lot of thought in this and these other things that I want to accomplish as a manager. And she told me, she's like, well, you have to take your goals out of the book, and I'm like, you know, I, you know, I assumed that the book was a reference and I should use the book, you know, as far as like finding exactly what it was that I wanted to do differently, but not exactly taking my goals verbatim from this book, which to me was unrealistic because my goals and what I want to accomplish is never going to be exactly what someone has written down. So that was like my first conflict within a position. Second conflict was I was in charge of training new employees. And uh, anyone who's worked in retail, we all know that sometimes you don't get the accurate amount of training when working in retail because you're on the floor, you get busy, you get customers, and it's hard to go through the entire series. So I got a complaint from a employee that said that I didn't train her properly um, and that I had set her up for failure, which I thought was, you know, it really it hurt my feelings as a manager, hurt me knowing that I wasn't exceeding and actually helping someone get to their goals. But I also wasn't trained properly as well coming through the door. That's just sometimes how the retail world works. So you know, I spoke to my manager about it and I told them all the things that I, I wanted to do um, to make up for it. But I didn't really feel like it was my fault because we had five training managers. And just because I missed the day that I also felt like that there should have been someone who was able to pick up the slack for me because we had a very big management team. And they told me that I was wrong. I am a very strong willed person. I am not going to admit I'm wrong when I know I'm not wrong. And I'm like, no, that's not correct. You, you're wrong. And that also, you know, start up some conflict. So let's needless to say, my first managerial experience was not the best. And I found myself not even liking it at all. And I found that they tried to change parts of me and I'm never going to change myself. So I wrote a long email to them about how I felt they tried to change even down to the way that I speak. I know I have a little twang in my voice. I definitely speak slang. I will hit you with some Ebonics here and there. And that's just how I am. And I was like that from the day they hired me until the day that they promoted me. So I'm going to be like that whether I'm in a managerial position or whether I'm a regular, you know, scheduled full-time employee. I didn't like that. So I, I wrote my email. I told them how I felt about them trying to change me and how I wasn't going to do it and that I would find employment where I can express my creative self and that I basically that I was done. 
They didn't say they weren't happy about that. I gave my two weeks, and that day they told me, well, actually, you can make today your last day. So clearly they were pissed. <laughs> um, but, you know, I took it as, like, it is what it is. Like, they wasn't going to feel happy, and I'm definitely not the one to write a apologetic two-week notice. I definitely gave them everything I felt, and I gave it to them hard, and they were mad about it. But stay true to yourself. I promise that in the end, it'll actually speak volume to who you are. Take that, take that. So take that. moving from Banana Republic, I moved into a store called Akira, which is very well known around Chicago. And I went through a manager and training process for this store. They actually had a new location opening in my in the neighborhood that I was from, also a neighborhood that I lived in in Chicago. This company was definitely positioned in mostly Caucasian areas. Um, this new location that they were opening up was in a predominantly black area. Um, it was on the south side of Chicago. And when they hired me, they're like, you know, we kind of looking for someone who could run this store. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, all of your employees are Caucasian. You're not going to be able to run a an Akira in Hyde Park. Hyde Park is a black neighborhood. Like you need to have a, a black store manager, someone who can relate to the customers, someone that is actually going to bring in the clients, make the client loyalty and bring it on home and actually meet the sales goal, which at the end of the day, that's what everything is about. I actually ended up getting the store and they did give it to me and I was a store manager. And the owners were actually Asian, of Asian descent, and they could not wrap their head around why the store was doing so well and they were had all these doubts at first and I'm just like no I got this you know we shop we shop just like everyone else black people shop just like white people isn't really no difference but with us there's no Chicago's huge um, it's a big city but when you want to shop in Chicago you have to go to certain areas you have to go to downtown Chicago you have to go to the malls like that and they way they position this store with no other retail stores around it just like a really nice restaurants it was really like a neighborhood store was perfect as far as retail distribution. And I do encourage that to any entrepreneurs or anyone looking to open a retail space. When you put yourself around too many competitors, you are not itemizing that market. If you put yourself where there are restaurants, where like neighborhoods, you are going to make more money in sales because you're going to be the go-to. And that's what happened at Akira. We became the go-to store. Um, down till, I'm not going to lie, we would have the busiest days on Mondays. And I'm going to tell you, it's funny. It's a funny story. The reason why we were so busy on Mondays is because there was a spot called The Factory. It was a strip club. And on Mondays, everyone went there. Like, it just, it was what it was. And Akira was a retail store that had everything. We had budget, which was our red label. We had like a uh, black label which was more like your moderate budget but we also had like designer pieces too so no matter what your price point was you'd be able to come into this store and find something and we had accessory shoes like like head to toe we had everything we were the only store out of 20 locations that had like average a monday sales day would probably be maybe about five to eight thousand dollars we would do twenty thousand dollars on a monday because there are girls in there coming in there buying leggings and crop tops and and all type of stuff to go out to the factory at night and i one good thing about akira i also can say is that they were very on the social scene so there are most of the clubs and the restaurants and 
maybe a couple other retailers like on the far north side, they all would come together and they would do events together. So when you would go to one of these clubs, if you said that you worked at Akira, you would get in for free. So when I, I would go to the factory on those Monday nights and every single girl that I had helped earlier that day finding an outfit would be in there. Some of them, I never put people in the same thing, but some of them, not the best, but it was it was a look. It was the day. Like, that's what it was. So I also want to encourage, like, when you start your own retail or you want to start your own store to make your experience different. We had a mantra. It was, like, obsessively, compulsively at your service. We never actually let people walk around the store. We were stylists, and that's what we did. We had to style them. Like, they couldn't just walk around the store and look. We would engage with the customers. We would find out where they were going, what they were doing. If we saw them with one piece in their hand, we were taking it out of their hand, putting it in the fitting room so that they can keep their hands free. Because if customers keep their hands free, they'll keep grabbing merchandise. You keep grabbing merchandise, you increase those units per sales transaction, and then you get a higher SPH, which is sales per hour. So you want to think about all those things when walking into, like, a brick-and-mortar place like how the service is I served mimosas I served muffins I I literally had it down to the tea where we would create an entire experience for you and the good thing about working for some of the smaller retail companies is that when you are in a store manager position you do have the creativity to do whatever you want to get sales through the door and that's what's going to make you succeed in retail so when you're fighting and fighting to get higher in a position where you're a key holder, then you move into an assistant manager position, move into a store manager position. What really matters is how many people you can get through the door, how many units you can sell per customer, and how much sales per hour you can actually get. And you really do get those things by having client loyalty, by having client books, and really getting creative. We threw parties in the store for a stylist. They wanted to come in and showcase their work, and they would pick different things, and we would do a showcase. We had parties for bloggers in the store. They did a fashion show every year. So I really want to encourage most entrepreneurs to just really, really get creative with what you're doing. Now, of course, in the retail world, I want to move over to some of the obstacles that may occur while you're in a retail position. I've had plenty of friends in the retail world. I've made great friends. Most of my best friends I've met at work. Um, And some of us, most of us African-American, we have that little, little area from our bosses that tell us to watch certain people in the store that may be very uncomfortable for us because a lot of times it's stereotypes. So in retail, they, you know, if, you know, African-American people are within the stores, we get the, okay, you know, keep a close eye on them, look at them. And let's just be very clear, people that steal do not have a color. So when you're put in a position where your manager is asking you to watch a certain type of people and it becomes a consistent thing, you have to have a voice as well. You have to be able to speak out. I've dealt with this multiple times. I actually even worked at the Saks right here in New York on Fifth Avenue. And I had times where I had managers like, oh, okay, can you just, I just want you to keep an eye out. No, we need to keep an eye out on everybody and we need to perform the same duties that we would normally do, whether the person was black or white or Chinese or whatever they are. And I had a time where someone told me to do that and I told her straight up, I'm like, I'm gonna watch everybody the same. And that's just how I'm gonna do it. And there's nothing wrong. Don't ever feel like you're gonna lose your job for speaking up and saying what you feel is right. And I feel like you will also get more respect that way when you speak up and say, hey, no, I'm not going to do that. Or I don't feel comfortable with doing that. Or like actually saying something so that the person 
who's giving you the directions. It may not come from them. It may come straight down from their boss. So you definitely want to make sure you keep the lines of communication over and make sure that you're being transparent when discussing these type of things because this is a very, very touchy issue. And it's also very racist, you know. And you don't want to have to watch people that you are are honestly just like yourself and you wouldn't want to be targeted out yourself when put in that type of situation if you walk into a high-end luxury store now in retail I know it's very very difficult to stay there is a high turnover rate in retail because of the hours because of the holiday schedule because of being on your feet all day and that's a given it's definitely a a place where you're proving yourself. Most people who get their first jobs in retail or stay in the, in the retail world, sometimes it's towards a higher goal, which is being in a leadership position, but sometimes it's just, I just want to get into this company because one day I want to transfer over into being the corporate side of this company. So when it comes to turnover and quitting and leaving your job or it just not being a good fit, I'm going to give advice on this as well. I do not believe in staying anywhere that you don't want to be in, that you don't feel is a good fit for you. The I'm going to stay here for a year, I'm going to stay here for two years just to have it on my resume, I'm sorry to tell you, it's some bullshit. I'm sorry. It is what it is. If you don't want to be in a company, I don't suggest anyone stay there because of timing. You spend 60 70% of your day at work. Why should you not want to be somewhere where you enjoy being? If you are not a people person and you are just in retail for a check, that is not the place to be for a check. You have to actually enjoy helping people. You have to actually enjoy talking to people. You have to actually enjoy clothes. Like If you don't even like to dress, then there's no purpose of being in retail unless you're working in stock, which I think is also pretty pointless. <laughs> um, I mean, if it's just a nine to five and you just want to just collect a check, that's fine. But I do believe that when you're doing something, you should do something with a purpose. Yeah, yeah, and if you're doing yeah, something yeah. with a purpose, then you would actually like the entire thing. I do think that when you're working in retail sales and when you're working in operations, when you're working in stock and you're working in visuals, that is all different within the store. However, I think that cross-training is extremely important, knowing every asset of the business because you make yourself more valuable that way. Like as an employee, if, if you're on the sales floor but you do know how to do stock and you do know how to do visuals, that's going to get you ahead within this world. Because in a managerial role in retail, you have to know how to do everything. You have to be able to execute every area of the business. So if you stay stuck in a bubble and like, oh, okay, well, I only do sales oh, or I only do stock, that's not a good way to look at things. I think you should always make yourself replaceable. And when my my manager position at Akira, my direct supervisor, taught me that. She said, anywhere you go, anywhere you work, make yourself irreplaceable. Perfect. And when you make yourself irreplaceable, it's hard for anyone to let you go. And it's also, like I said, it's hard to be replaced. And you can move throughout different areas of the business succeed. And then when it comes review time and when it comes raise time, you could speak value to yourself and why you deserve more money or why you should get more money or why you should be considered for that next promotion within the position. I do know that it's difficult to rise in retail, but the opportunity is there where if you're moving to a different department or if you're moving to a sister retailer or if you're just moving on to something that's better for you. Now, another one of the obstacles that we occur within the retail world is draw versus commission, which is very difficult because you have to deal with 
returns. You have to deal with people stealing sales. Uh, you have to deal with a lot there. I've worked in a draw versus commission environment, and it is very it's a hunting ground out there, especially in some of these high end, uh, higher end stores. Your Bloomingdale's, your Bergdorf's, your Saks, your Neiman's, your Nordstrom's. Those are very, very hard stores. And during the holiday season, people do come in, they buy stuff, they return stuff, and you end up losing your sales. Now, my advice for when it comes to buy, like selling within those type of seasons and those type of stores is the exchange of information. When you sell something to someone, especially if you sell something of a higher value, you should always collect that customer's information. You should always be passing out your card. So that way, in a few days after, you're like, hey, you can check in. And this is just all a part of like being um, client-oriented. Okay. When you're working um, in retail, the, it's very important to be client-oriented. So the way to, like I said, eliminate some of those com- those returns and some of those uh, commission returns uh, what do you call those things? Let's call draw. So when you earn commission for something that's like four or five thousand dollars in the following week, that person goes and returns that item, and then you're looking at your check because it's in the negative. You feel some type of way about it, but that honestly, I'm not gonna lie, that's your fault because you are not doing the follow up. You have to have to follow up. You have to exchange information. Anytime I sell anything, I would follow up with my customer two days later, and I also had a client book where I actually would jot down notes if it was their birthday or like their friend's party or it was some type a special occasion so that way I'm personalizing those texts or those phone calls when I reach out like hey did you really enjoy that dress that you bought and how was the birthday party and stuff like that you are ensuring that that person was happy with their purchase and I also want to throw out there do not force sales on people because they're probably going to return it so if a customer really is unhappy with the way something fits or the way something looks Uh, the way something fits or the way something looks, don't sell it to them. I get it. We all have sales quotas to meet. We all want to make our commission. But is it really helpful if they're going to come and return it? And then you're being pushy. And a lot of times you have clients that are not going to tell you that they don't like something because they feel like you really like it and you're being pushy and they don't actually want to be mean. So they'll just buy it anyway and might come back the second day, go to a different department and return it. So I just want to encourage you guys to really listen more than anything else. When a customer walks into your area of your store or walk into your store to listen to what it is that they need and actually Listen and take it and do what they are asking you to do. You can't, I can't say that your approach with every single customer is going to be the same because you never know how someone's day is going to be. But if you're listening and you're observing body language, because that tells a lot, you actually will know how to present yourself to that customer. And each situation is going to be different. And of course, we know the higher the numbers, the more money, the easier it is to get promotions and stuff. Um, I do want to talk about how to grow in retail and how to work on a team. Sometimes it's very difficult working on a team because of different type of personalities and different type of people. And you got your real cutthroat salespeople that will steal sales from you. And you got people that are, you know, a little bit laid back and don't want to be pushy with the customers and don't want to make sales at all. So I just want to challenge you guys to know the difference between being aggressive, being passive, and being assertive. Assertiveness is what is actually going to get you 
working well on a team as well as working good within your sales goal. And also team selling is a big thing. Um, Don't be afraid to partner with your team and work together with selling things. Um, When you're being assertive with a customer, you're being assertive with a fellow employee, you're coming across once again, like you're listening first and that you're understanding where the other person is coming from versus you being aggressive in the situation. So that's my biggest challenge is to listen before anything else and to really challenge yourself to understand how other people think and not just the way you think you really have to keep an open mind because in retail that's what you're working with you're working with multiple clients you're working with customers you're working with managers you're working with other teammates so understanding the way someone else thinks is really going to drive force you and I know it's easier said than done but that's just like a challenge for I put out to everyone to listen first and take heed to it um when you want to grow within retail I think Close mouths, don't get fed. You have to ask for more responsibility. You have to be very, very vocal about what it is that you want. If you hate sales and you're ready to move into visual merchandising, talk about it. Talk about it with your manager. Come up with a growth plan. Come up with a development plan and give yourself checkpoints for like, hey, you know, I really want to move into visuals. Tell me what I need to do for the next two to three months in order to prove to you that that's something that I want to do. You know, I want to be a key holder. I want to be an assistant manager. What do I need to do to do that? And when you get everything down in writing and there's actually a check and balance and accountability within the um, agreement, you'll actually get to your goals first. Don't think ever think that something is going to be handed to you or think that mentioning it one time is going to make that person that's in charge who can actually make that change to do it for you. You have to go out there and grab the bull by his horns and actually get what it is that you need and actually excel your own career. No one's ever going to give you anything. So write things down, speak about goals. You don't have to wait for your employer to come to you and tell you that it's review time. You at any point can go within I, every job. I mean, I'll work there for two weeks and I'm asking, how am I doing? Is there anything you want to discuss with me? Is there any feedback that you want to give with me? So let, why would we wait three months to know that I, to know that I'm doing something wrong? You are in charge of that and you have to speak up and you have to discuss the things that you want to do and you have to discuss the things that you if there's an area which you feel that your weakness is never be afraid to be vulnerable and tell your manager what your weaknesses are the reason why they are a manager is to help you mentor you and guide you in the right direction and I'm not saying that every manager is like that because we both know we'll be both we all know that there's some shitty ass managers out here. We know that for a fact and they don't give a damn and are just there for a check and that's fine, but they're not in control of you and your future. And if you have to go over their head, I would, I've went over so many people's head and they might not like me because of it, but I'm not going to let you and your negativity or whatever you got going on in your personal life stunt my growth. So another thing I really want to discuss is networking and meeting people. When you are selling on the floor, or you're working in retail, you're going to run across tourists. You're going to run across people in so many different walks of life. It, it's imperative that you keep a card, whether your store gives you one or you got to make your own in your back pocket because you never know when your next opportunity is going to be. I actually was working at Akira and I got recruited by Nike just for being 
just for being nice to it. I was talking to this lady. I was uh, helping her find something to wear, and she ended up being a visual merchandiser for Nike. And she came back in the store maybe two days later, and she was like, you know, I really love you, and I love what you do, and um, I would love to bring you in for an interview to be on our team. We're opening up a concept store, and I was just ecstatic. And I wasn't looking for anything else, but you never know who's watching you. So I, 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 I encourage you to... If you having a bad day, don't go to work. Not to just say you could just call off, but maybe ask to be put in the stock area that day or ask to not be on the floor that much. But if you rub somebody the wrong way, you could be missing up in missing opportunities for yourself that can lead you to having a very, very flourishing career. Um, I am a firm believer that if you don't like your job, you need to quit. And I know that's easier said than done because we all have bills, but that goes back to my first point is don't work anywhere that you're not going to enjoy. It is your life and you do have to enjoy it. And I do know that working in retail is sometimes like a high school job. Sometimes it's a college job and you guys are just trying to get to the next place. But everything you do in this life is a stepping stone to where you're going next. So I never want you to ever think about, oh, I'm just I'm just working here so I can I can get through college. I'm just working here so I can have a little money in my pocket. Everything serves a purpose. And if it's not your career field, if you really are no not interested in being in fashion marketing, merchandising, design, but you're working in retail, maybe you've missed your calling. Because if you like it, then you need to explore it more. So I do encourage you guys to do research and to actually figure out what you want. But retail is the stepping stone for everything you see in the fashion corporate world. The marketing's there, the merchandising is there, the design is there, the product development is there, the operations, everything in that supply chain comes from that retail world. Because at the end of the day, sales is the most important. And the revenue that these companies are bringing in quarterly, annually, like that's what is the run of the business and the people are the run of the business. You cannot run a business without good people. Um, I also want to, my last point that I want to discuss is honestly positioning yourself to win. Now, if you're a entrepreneur that is looking to open up a store, um, I did discuss early how I felt like um, location is everything and where you choose to position yourself is accurate. I do encourage anyone interested in opening a, um, a retail store to find a space that is very accessible. I did have a friend that I helped open a store um, down in Dallas, Texas, and you know it was a really amazing. They got uh, it was a men's a men's urban clothing store, and they got everything from the merchandise down to the ambiance on the store. When you first walked in the store, there was a basketball court. When you went further in the store, it was like a custom-made pool table, and you could actually hang out in the store as you shop, and it created an amazing experience. However, the location of the store was not seen. It was off in a strip mall. And if you weren't going over to the tax place that was next door or the nail salon that was on the other side, you couldn't even actually see the store. So you have a amazing market in Dallas where menswear is very, very hard to find, especially urban menswear. And you have this amazing store, but no one can see it. You have to be visible. They had a marquee on the outside, but it didn't come within the contract and they were not going to change it. So when you are, you know, 
renting a retail space, you have to look into every single detail. If you're not visible and no one can actually see your retail store, then you're not going to be able to make any money. Long story short, they end up closing the store down. The business didn't do well, all because of visibility. Visibility is huge. And they had everything else down, but that one little mistake with not having the right location, complete, I'm, gonna say, I'm not going to say it ruined the business, but they didn't do well in sales because of that. So you have to always take that into heat when you're moving from location to location. I had another um, friend of mine that opened up a store, um, and the store was just very small. And those days where it got busy and you only had one fitting room, you're losing clientele because why? People can't get into their fitting room to try on things. So when you open up a retail space and you are you know that it's small, it needs to either be appointment only, which actually gives the customer even more of a sense of this entire hour or two hours is dedicated to me and they're all about me and helping me find the perfect look opposed to open up a retail store where you have one fitting room and on a busy day especially during the holiday season as well you can't get in and get out people are not going to wait in long lines and get try to get one piece of clothing if they're looking for something or sometimes you have people that are honestly in a hurry so I also want to encourage you guys to look within the space and like is this efficient. How many customers can I hold in the store at one time? How many customers can I help at one time? Also, how many employees do I need to hire so that I can make sure that everyone is being accessible and being helped without being on top of one another and being smothered with one another? Another thing that we should have to discuss is visuals. How is your outside of your store speaking to the inside and how are you getting customers to actually get through the door? I love my Black-owned businesses, but you guys have to be more apparent when it comes to these type of things. I know you guys probably don't even know this, but simply having the door open during working hours is inviting, opposed to having the door closed. And it's little small things like that that we miss here and there and being welcoming. Every customer should be greeted within five minutes of walking into the store. You know, and if I walk into a store and I know I'm coming in there to intentionally spend money and no one greets me or says hello to me or anything, I'm more than likely going to walk out because there's a certain level of service that you expect when going into any place, whether it be a restaurant or whatever. You expect for someone to say hello, how are you doing? You know, sometimes I've walked into a retail store and I've spoken first and the employees in the store didn't even speak back. That's going to make anyone want to walk out of a store, especially if you value customer service in any way, anywhere you're spending your money, you're going to value customer service and make sure that you are getting what you need from them. I encourage you guys to limit your personal talk when you're working in the stores, which happens a lot at a lot of Black-owned businesses. You're so wrapped up in your own world and what's going on in your own life that you forget that you're at work. You have to be better. You have to show that you are better, and you have to be a parent. You're you should always, your eyes should always be like parallel to the door. Like your back should never be turned to the door. You should always be turning sideways. So that way, as customers and people walk into the store, you know what's going on. Being aware of your surroundings when you're working in a retail space is crucial. Knowing what your employees are, where they are in the store, what employees are in the store, which also goes back to helping you with shrinkage. Shrinkage is a loss and theft in your store. If you're always aware of what's going on in your store, you never have to worry about those things. Um, that job that I spoke about earlier um, where I got my own store, 
our direct man, our district manager would come in there randomly. She would grab me and she would pull me outside and she would say, what's going on in your store? And I would, I would have to know. I would have to know who was doing what, work, what was working on what, how many people were in my store, how many people were at the counter, what my sales were per hour, what my UPC was because of your awareness of what's actually happening in everything around you. And it taught me a very valuable lesson to always know what's around me and what's going on within my store. Um, your retail strategy and your retail branding is a crucial um, and I also want to just say that when opening a store, make sure that you work with either a consultant, someone who's been there before, and also do surveys within like your first week so you know the know what people are expecting and also get out and speak to the, your community in the or near the location that you're working in. Speak to the local businesses, speak to your neighbors and your local people around you so that you know what to expect and how the foot traffic is and what the customers are like and what the community is like and really, really do your market research and that will also help you pick the correct merchandise. You can have a beautiful store with everything that I discussed down to a T but then you might not have the actual correct merchandise that goes into the store. Merchandising, having the right product at the right place at the right time for the right price point. That's the goal. And that is what merchandising is all about. Um, I will say that I've looked around and done research about the retail world, and they actually have quite a few courses that you can take that will help you be successful in this part of the supply chain. I do recommend the certificate programs at FIT and as well as at Parsons. Um, I think it's an amazing industry. It's a profitable um, industry. And it can help you and fuel you into actually working into the corporate fashion world or even, like I said earlier, starting your own retail store. Always great to work for someone else or work within a business when opening up your own store. And it's always good to start at the ground level when entering a company if you really, really want to make it to the top. Um, that's all my advice for today. Thanks, you guys, for tuning in um, to the Retail Hell and to Excel episode two. I appreciate it and have a great one, guys. You guys can keep up with me via all social media channels. My handle is Lenise Collier. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, you name it. You can also check out my brand um, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on Instagram under Collier the Team. Uh, please feel free to send me messages, write comments, give me your feedback. I would love to hear from you guys. And once again, thanks for tuning in to the podcast. Have a good one.